I love rewatching this scene so much. It's very hardcore. You practice the darkest yeah. of magic. waterfalls in the background. Yeah. Where around Salem are there just like these mini Niagara Falls in a pond? They're magic waterfalls. Yes. I did not break. The de-aging on Catherine Hahn here was pretty good. It's good. I love that they'll break it out for the shows. Bent to my power. Yep. <laughs> this is a good excuse. She's it's not my so fault. Good. So good, it's not my fault. It shows me. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just read the words. I mean, that's that's how I feel about some comic books I've read. Uh, yeah. That's, you know, I didn't break, they just bent to my power. It called out. Welcome back to New Rockstars. Will 2023 be Marvel's year of Mephisto? Ooh. No, no, no. <gasps> Finally, the year of our Dark Lord with Sasha Baron Cohen rumored to appear as Mephisto both in Ironheart and in Agatha Coven of Chaos of 2023. It truly does look like the year. We might actually be justified to point at our screens and scream, that's Mephisto! That is Mephisto, and this is Inside Marvel. It's New Rockstar's weekly Marvel reaction show. It's our final episode of the year. MT and Jessica are out for the holidays, but I delayed my break so they can go on my honeymoon for the first two weeks of January, meaning right now, holding down the fort here at New Rockstar's with Brandon Merrick. That's right, and I'm happy to be here, Eric. I am ready for Mephisto, my Dark Lord, to enter the MCU and take it over and bring it to its rightful place in the darkest of regions of our souls. <laughs> I'm ready for him to just reveal himself because I think he's been here since the beginning. He's just right out of frame of the camera. He's just like on the other side of it, just like Agatha Harkness is sitting in a director's chair, winking at us, shushing us. Uh, hey, Brandon, I think I realized this may be the first time or one of the first times you and I have like shared one of these before. There might have been some other It could be. I think this is my first Inside Marvel. I think we did a big queue before, but this is my first Inside Marvel. I believe. I believe so. Oh, my God. Well, this is very exciting then. Uh, and what an episode to be on. Our, our big, uh, I feel like for the past three years, we made this big prediction at the end of the previous year to say this is the year when Mephisto's arriving. Right. But I feel like 2023 is the year of Mephisto. Okay. It's gotta happen. Well, Eric, that is the big question, okay? Will Mephisto finally arrive in the MCU in 2023? Hell yes, he will! Hell yes. Back in October, back in October even, uh, Deadline reported that Sasha Baron Cohen was going to be in the Ironheart series playing Mephisto, the demonic overlord, in this case, to The Hood, played by Anthony Ramos. In the comics, The Hood actually gets his powers from Dormammu, but Dormammu was already shown as an abstract dark dimension purple face voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch in the 2016 Doctor Strange movie, so it makes sense that Marvel might swap in a different demon for the hood. Also, Brandon, you and I were both at D23. We saw that Ironheart panel, and I think, do you remember Anthony Ramos? Didn't he seem to be dancing around something big? Yes. He kept nervously glancing over at Kevin yes, Feige. absolutely. This man has performed on stage in live in front of people hundreds of times in one of the most in the yeah. biggest show in decades okay and i've never seen someone more nervous to be on stage with kevin feige standing right there he wanted to say it he wanted to say something big because he knows the people wanted it and he was afraid he, you're, you're right eric he was so afraid of saying the wrong thing he was definitely yeah. towing that line absolutely and we all looked at each other as you me and tommy were like this is Ironheart. What, what are they awkward. hiding for yeah, Ironheart? Yeah. It was a very yeah. awkward sequence. And like, we could see the teleprompters and there was nothing on the teleprompter for Feige. He goes off the dome. Right. He doesn't read no teleprompter, okay? Uh -huh. And and Ramos he was doesn't. scared because he was afraid of saying the wrong thing. Absolutely. Well, then last week, there's one of these scoopers, this one named My Time to Shine Hello, reported this Sasha Baron Cohen Mephisto news like it was new, like it was breaking <laughs> news. He's like, I got a scoop. 
news, <laughs> two month old news. And then what was horrifying is I then suddenly got a bunch of tags from accounts mm. who only now consider it to be legit news. Just pretty worrisome how many folks on social media don't at all listen to or follow actual legitimate news sources. But when some scooper with a very mixed track record farts out something on Twitter, it's suddenly <laughs> front page news to them. Did you see this? Did you see this? I'm like, yeah, f-ers, I saw it two months ago. <laughs> yeah, this this story has been very weird because much like the um, uh, uh, the Harrison Ford, you know, coming to the MCU, it was like a leak first, a rumor, and then it kind of got confirmed right away. The Sasha Baron Cohen one has kind of been slow played. Like Deadline is covering it, but they're still being very like sources say. They're not really yeah. like confirming anything yet. Uh, but it does seem like this story has stuck around long enough and not been refuted. I think it's got to be true. I mean, it, I don't know why they would let it go for so long if it wasn't a true story. And that's the thing. A lot of people are like, well, Deadline didn't name any actual sources, mm-hmm. but it's like it's different when it's Deadline, Hollywood Reporter, Variety, Entertainment Weekly, Slate, like all these different actual. These are journalistic enterprises yeah. that are verified that were verified before verification was cast into doubt in general. <laughs> but like. <laughs> they they have a history of people who have close relationships right. with the people who work at these studios and production companies. When they say sources say it actually means something. It's not some anonymous Twitter account mm-hmm. who who's like, follow my Patreon for updates. Like, no, this is real news. It's real news when Deadline reports it. I'm sorry. Uh, it means something. <laughs> Eric's mad as hell. And he's not going to take it anymore. <laughs> I just want everyone to know the moment Mephisto was confirmed and not say it's confirmed sometime later. It's an yeah, it's yeah. important sacred moment in history. But hey, this same scooper claimed that Sasha Baron Cohen actually spent a few days in L.A. shooting scenes with Catherine Hahn for Coven of Chaos. Mephisto in Coven of Chaos. Mephisto in the sequel to WandaVision. And that is still slated to release in late 2023. Now, no legit news source has confirmed this. Why don't you back it up with a source? My source is that I made it the f*** up. But there has been other reporting from across the industry that Broadway legend Patti LuPone has been cast in Coven of Chaos. This is insane. As some other member this, of the Coven, most this likely. This story is insane. Patti LuPone. I can't believe it. I mean, I she, she has stepped so away from the Great White Way, as far as I know. She's, she's done for now. Mm-hmm. She's taken a little... She's done this before, but she's kind of done for now, right? She's stepping away. And this is like the first thing she's going to do. I wonder what drew her to it. I wonder why she's so into it. And I mean, she must be singing, right? She's got to have a song. You got to give Patty a song. She must. Oh, hopefully, hopefully. I mean, it was it was Catherine Hahn herself who did the vocals for Agatha all along. Maybe mm-hmm. I mean, that was the best needle drop in the MCU as far as I'm concerned. And maybe Patty Lapone heard that and she's like, oh. <laughs> I could do better. World than I really could do better. <laughs> I mean, give us a background on Patti Lapone. What is she known from specifically in Broadway? You're a Broadway nerd. I know you know. She's done, she's been in lots of shows over the year. Uh, she she does a lot of Sondheim, right? She loves Sondheim. She was in uh, a revival of Company at some point, uh-huh. doing the famous "Ladies Who Lunch" song. Here's to the ladies yes. who lunch. And doesn't she look over at uh, Elaine Stritch, who who was in the original cast right, of Company? Correct. Correct. And then and just kind of like. Does anyone still wear a hat? And cut to Elaine Stritch, and she's like, <laughs> she's great, mad with her hat on. Uh, she was also in, of course, uh, a revival of Sweeney Todd uh, that was well, mm-hmm. uh, uh, well regarded. Uh, she was also uh, famously, <laughs> famously supposed to have a role in uh, Sunset Boulevard uh, that eventually Glenn Close snuck in and stole the role away from her. It was a long, a long battle. Uh, she sued um, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber about it and famously <laughs> loves to remark that uh, 
because she never actually started in the show. She was guaranteed to be in the show and never actually did it or did it for a small like a couple of days and then like was done. Got replaced by getting close. I forget all the details of the story, but she loves to say that Andrew paid for her pool uh, that she put in her backyard <laughs> <laughs> after she she got her money from that show. Didn't Patty Lapone just go viral recently for yelling at someone in the audience who was on their phone yes. or something like that? So there was, there's like this, you know, there's obviously people have their phones out during shows and it's a big deal and things have gone viral where actors have like called out people during the show. A lot of times to people's excitement, to thrills, because we all hate it when someone's interrupting uh, the show. Now, the problem is... Uh, there are accessibility issues for people out there. And some people use a device that provides closed captioning for a Broadway show or like, you know, takes the audio and turns it into something they can read. And so I I heard that it may have been someone using one of those. And so her anger could have been misplaced. I don't know. We got to work out the details, folks. You know, everyone should be able to enjoy a night at the theater. But if you're playing Candy Crush, you deserve to get yelled at. But if you're just trying to understand the words... We, we, we all got to yeah. do better. That's all. We're all trying to do better. We're all I trying to do better. So. I think so. Also, like, I would love to get yelled at by Patty Lapone. What a story. What a New York story. I mean, I know. I know. You can take that everywhere in life. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Usually when casting news comes out like this, it means that a series is in production because the way this news makes it to the trades is, you know, by things like uh, call sheets going out. You know, call sheets, they have to be distributed to a ton of people in production. You look at the names on the call sheet and like, oh, this is news. I didn't know this person was in. Also, sag after paperwork, contract paperwork has to be sent to several different offices around Hollywood. I used to work on a talk show and like it's impossible to keep these things a secret because so many different people are involved. And it just gets really hard to keep things uh, under wraps at that point. So usually once stuff gets legit, once the paperwork is filed. Right. And some people in departments who don't care about leaking this information because they're in the accounting department. They're like, who cares if someone knows uh, Patty Lapone's on this show? We care. We all care. Right. Well, we care. We care. Well, and we've seen too lately, right, when like when accidentally, you know, someone updates, you know, a makeup artist or a costumer updates their resume uh, just because they're trying to get more work and then they say they worked on a certain show and dressed a certain person and suddenly it's news and that poor person is probably in, on Kevin Feige's hit list the next thing we know. And it's like yeah. these people are just trying to get work because they're doing great work and it takes years <coughs> for these things to come out. <laughs> so this cast, I mean, let's just go through this cast already oh, yeah. for Coven of Chaos because it looks freaking great. Catherine Hahn, Agatha Harkness, Emma Caulfield Ford returning as Sarah Proctor from WandaVision. So interesting to rewatch WandaVision and see her show up because the character Dottie seemed to be just a regular Westview resident, but her name is Sarah and she's married to uh, a guy named Proctor, Sarah Proctor, and in, in during the Salem witch trials was uh, the daughter of uh, of Proctor who was like uh, like prosecuting these things. Like so, there's a there is a Sarah Proctor in the history of the Salem witch trials. It's very interesting. I also remember when we were watching this show through the first time. You know, when that second episode comes, she acts so strangely. And we all thought that she was going to maybe have a bigger role or like turn Mm -hmm. be revealed to be someone bigger. So I love that the seeds were probably there and probably in an earlier version of this of of the story. But they're just carrying it through to this like next spinoff show, which I I enjoy. We also have uh, Aubrey Plaza in this cast. We don't know what role, probably a member of the coven. We don't really know yet. Very exciting for Aubrey Plaza to join the MCU. Uh, She was in another Marvel title, Legion, as uh, as Benny slash Lenny. Uh, one of uh, David Holler's uh, alters or one of his, or I think was an incarnation of uh, the devil with the yellow eyes, unless I'm mistaken. Joe Locke is going to be playing a TBD character. Ali An, Maria Dizia, 
Uh, Sashir Zameda from Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. is going to play a character. And of course, Patty Lapone joining this cast. There's also speculation that Elizabeth Olsen could come back as the Scarlet Witch. That's our I mean, hope. That is our hope. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like Miss Marvel, right? Like you're gonna have to. We we need we need a little uh, a glimpse from the big dog, right? We got to see. I think they, so. they got to get a little bit of Elizabeth Olsen in this one. Hell yeah. Now, I am currently re-watching WandaVision for a big project that I'm doing for the New Rockstars Network. I'm not going to talk about it yet. You will all find out an announcement that we are making on January 2nd. That's just for you, who you loyalists who joined us for Inside Marvel today. The real you know, ones. There's not too many of you these days, <laughs> because there's not a ton of Marvel news. But you, you brave souls stuck around, so you got that little tidbit. January 2nd. Um, but when I rewatch the WandaVision finale, Wanda traps Agatha in her own personal Westview hex as a nosy neighbor character. Even when that hex fades and is gone, presumably Agatha Harkness is still stuck on this loop. Uh, Agatha knows what's coming and she begs Wanda not to do this. She even calls her cruel, but Wanda just smirks and she does it anyway. It's a really, really dark moment, very black mirror of Wanda to do that. But Agatha's still wearing a brooch. And then in the next scene, Agatha weirdly disappears in the background. Mm. It's weird, I beg of you, rewatch this. It does not make sense how quickly she just Okay. Really, Catherine Hahn, they just wanted to get her off the set so she didn't have to sit in the background and keep doing her business. But it's just weird the way it's edited. Um, so two questions that I have for you, Brandon, that I want to talk about with Agatha. Um, one, in the moment of her witch trial, uh, when the other, the rest of the members of the coven were draining her powers, mm-hmm. do we think Agatha had the dark hold at that mm-hmm. point? And that's the forbidden magic that she was practicing. And then two, do we think Agatha has a relationship with Mephisto? Does she know Mephisto? Is she like the Harleen Quinzel to the Joker? Um, and that's the kind of relationship they have. This is a, you know, this is a an argument I've had in the office many times. Uh, 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 first part of your question. In that moment, I do not believe she has the dark hold uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, why would this this coven of witches in Salem have the dark hold for her to have, right? In theory, it's in Wonder Gore Mountain, or what we now know the dark hold is is a copy of what's in Wonder Gore Mountain. I don't think these witches would have that. I think they're too small time. They're just doing their thing. They probably have a collection of dark magic that she has started to experiment with. But I think the, her experiences with them turning on her like that and her draining their powers, she, this is going to lead her to seek out the dark hold. So I don't think she has the dark hold from mm. like 1600s to you know 2024. Or whatever, you know, post end game. I don't think she's holding on to the dark hold for that long. Yeah, she would have been able to do way more. Yeah, yeah. I think her her discovery of the dark hold has been a recent phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're right. I think if she had the dark hold, we would have seen her with it in the past. We would have seen Evanor holding it and snapping yeah. it shut, like this is not for you. Or would have come out um, of her bag and and bit all right, the other right, witches, right. Uh, like the, <laughs> the monster book from Harry Potter. But to answer your question yeah. about Mephisto, that's I don't I never considered that at that moment she has a relationship, but there could be a Mephisto leading her toward. She doesn't know it's Mephisto, you know, leading her towards discovering the dark hold or something like that. Uh, or leading her on this journey of dark magic because he sees in her her potential. Uh, so that that's an interesting idea that maybe he's like somehow leading her down this path. She doesn't know as Mephisto yet, but uh, he he's playing a role in getting her to where she needs to go. Yeah, I mean, I I wonder if we might see you know the the MCU loves flashing back to right around the time the blip ended mm-hmm. or sometime during the blip just to show these little vignettes. Uh, we saw when Yelena Belova undusted, when Monica Rambeau undusted. We saw Bucky in Wakanda, uh, like having his campfire moment with the Dora Milaje. Uh, 
I wonder if we might see a little flashback moment with Agatha, wherever she is as a witch, gets visited by Mephisto, and he gives her the dark hole. Mm. He's the one who's able to, like, he has it. Yeah. Uh, whatever, because his form can appear anywhere across space and right, time. Right. And I, maybe he presents it to her and says, "Use this. There's a woman I want you to recruit. Steal her power. You can do it." You know, he's the one who sends her on that journey. She has this kind of alliance with him. She's like captivated by him. A lot. Of, I got grilled. Uh, you know, dragged across the coals. Rightfully, I would probably <laughs> say for for predicting so hard that Mephisto would show up in WandaVision. But it's only just because Agatha Harkness has that relationship with Mephisto in the yeah. comics, and they were. And granted, a lot of Marvel TV shows do not follow beat for beat, but up until that point, they really were with Agatha Harkness. There was so much with the way that character was like volunteering to babysit the kids, the way the kids were called Demon Spawn. I was just really shocked. I still remain shocked that the people yeah. producing that show were like, oh, it never crossed our mind to put Mephisto in this or even to imply that he would be. I don't know. I think in a pre, you know, in a universe where COVID didn't happen and they're they had stayed on the same release schedule that they had planned. I think there there were probably early talks of Mephisto because the skeletons are all there. The structure's there for Mephisto. That's why we thought so hard on it. I think they were like, well, maybe we're going to do it. And then when things had to get moved around, they're like, scrap that plan. But some lines of dialogue stayed behind. And they're like, eh, just act like we're never going to do Mephisto. We'll get to it later. Because they have been just like kind of teasing it everywhere, especially even like Thor Love and Thunder kind of establishing like, you know, the Carpenter character and like a Satan character. And we know early drafts of that movie, you know, Russell Crowe was even considered to be Satan. So it's like they're they're so close to doing this. Now, Satan and Mephisto are very different. I realize that Mephisto is just cosplaying as Satan. But like they they're so close to like doing that character that I think early on they wanted to do it. But when plans change, that's the one thing about the MCU is like if one movie changes, like everything changes. If, yeah. if when it comes out changes or like who 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 the characters are going to be has like insane ripple effects. So you can't dog yourself yeah. too hard. It, they, they were teasing it so heavily. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people say, well, WandaVision didn't need Mephisto. Right. And my response to that is it maybe didn't need Mephisto, like a red dude in a suit, but it did need grief. Mm-hmm. Like. It, it was not Agatha all along alone. Agatha was in a partnership with Wanda's own grief. And grief is the real villain of that series. Grief even victimizes Agatha. There is like, it's a triangle of, uh, of a relationship there. Uh, a grief triangle, I would even argue, because it's not just Wanda versus Agatha. It's Wanda and uh, it's Wanda being torn apart by both Agatha and grief. And grief is some other kind of external force in that show that Wanda is kind of blind to and Agatha is blind. Mm. She's asking Wanda, how are you doing this? Wanda's like, I don't know. So if neither of them have the answer there, neither of them are lying to each other. It means that there is someone who knows and that someone is grief. Now grief is an abstract concept, but like we're learning more and more in the MCU how various abstract concepts like love are actual sentient beings. And I think it's just a very easy math to do just to say Mephisto is the source of all grief in the universe. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's a very uh, astute observation, Eric, because it, it is easy to forget that in the beginning, you know, it's kind of implied that Agatha showed up because she senses this powerful dark magic happening. She's like, oh, I need to go see who this person is and see what I can learn. And when she realizes it's essentially a child who has a weapon they don't understand, she wants to take it away immediately. She's like, well, I should just take this over. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't always her. And I don't think it was always her intent from the beginning to just come in and steal the powers of of 
Wanda, but when she saw that she was the foretold Scarlet Witch and saw that she had no idea what she was doing, she was like, well, I have to take these powers away from you or else you're going to destroy the world. Like, look what you've done. Look what you've done here. In my view, the Jedi are bad, is what she said. <laughs> you know, in, in this project that I'm working on, I do make a case that, like, Agatha is more of the protagonist mm-hmm. of WandaVision than Wanda is. Wanda is the focal character, but Agatha, based off of the decisions she makes, is more of a hero than Wanda is. This is a tragedy where the villain wins by the end of it, when, when, when Wanda wins. And, like, I compare, you know, there's a moment where uh agatha has both billy and tommy by those leashes and she's like choking them it's hard to say that that person's a hero but one of my favorite heroines in all of film is ripley in aliens mm. and she torches and shoots baby eggs in front of an alien xenomorph it's queen you can't true. tell me that that's any better or any worse like just doing you can be a quote-unquote protagonist or hero in danger and endanger yeah. children in a story if there were a planet full of pigs they'd be horrified to see what we're doing to pigs on this planet when they showed up they would be horrified <laughs> we are the monsters i am legend <laughs> yeah so i i think uh, 2023 will be the year of mephisto i think he might show up just in a scene or two for uh ironheart and I think he's going to have a pretty important role in Coven of Chaos. I love it. I don't think he's ever going to. I don't need to there to ever be a Mephisto show no. in the MCU. But I would just like if he's just kind of this background character who comes to talk to people from time to time. Yeah. He's like the Q in uh, Star Trek. who just shows up yes. to create some mischief. And then yeah, I'm going to go deal with something else now. I'll be back in uh, next season. Yeah. Or from the Animorphs mythology, the Elemist. Oh, the great. Elemist just appears to Tobias sometimes and says, "You're gonna be a Nothlet now." <laughs> there's, there's like five people who watch this video who are like, "Yes, yes!" They're going crazy. They're animorphing as we speak. All right, let's. Uh, oh, actually, there's a, a conversation I've been dying to have about MCU Phase Four that we're gonna close out 2023 with. Um, but before we continue, we want to thank Helix Sleep for sponsoring this episode. One way to make 2023 the best year yet is to get some more sleep. And here at New Rockstars, we trust Helix to protect our sleep with the best mattresses in the world. I have a Helix mattress, MT, recently producer Zach, producer John. We all got some Helix mattresses here. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and your sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Everybody is unique. Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattress is great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. Even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size sleepers. Producer Zach took the Helix quiz and was matched with, with the Midnight Lux mattress because he's a side sleeper that needed a softer mattresses. And now he doesn't wake up with a sore shoulder or neck like he did with the other mattresses. So just go to helixsleep.com slash insidemarvel, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash insidemarvel. Okay, uh, so some of our uh, episodes at the end of the year for Inside Marvel, Brandon, have been our rankings of Marvel Phase 4. We, we rank course. the Marvel Phase 4 series on Disney+, Plus, and then we rank the Marvel Phase 4 movies and one thing that came up is this question of, well, which of these two categories have been better in Phase mm. 4? And I want to ask you, uh, think about, like, your favorite Phase 4 movies. Think about your favorite Phase 4 series. And then think of your least favorite Phase 4 movies and your least favorite Phase 4 series. Which do you think has been better, Marvel TV on Disney Plus or Marvel <sighs> movies? Uh, uh, I will say, I think, I think the movies overall have been better than the series. But I think the, the series... The best series 
have been better than the best movies. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think I agree with you on that. I think you can't deny like what WandaVision. I mean, WandaVision is their first show was incredible. Uh, just just stunning. Really well done. So weird. Remember like those first three weeks when we're like, what is going on? This is the weirdest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Uh-huh. Uh, and then like Loki really, really killed it. I mean, Loki was just incredible too. But, and those were so great. And I think really surprised a lot of people. Some of the series, not so great. Uh, you know, I, I accept the arguments. They feel like long movies that were chopped up and each episode on its uh, on its own doesn't feel well. But like I was so surprised by something like Miss Marvel, which I thought was like so fun and energetic and different. Uh, and like really tried something that I, I really liked and I got into and I loved the like the directing in that movie uh, or in that show. I thought it was they did some fun stuff there. Yeah, I think I would just say I, I totally agree with you that the best Marvel Disney Plus shows have been better than the because my favorite movies were like No Way Home, Multiverse right. of Madness and, and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Those are my top three. Uh, my top three Marvel uh, Disney Plus shows were Loki, WandaVision, and I can't remember what I put as my number three. It might have been Ms. Marvel. Yeah, I think it was Ms. Marvel. Um, and I put those three, especially those top two, above the top two movies of Phase 4. And I think, Brandon, I think I would even say that, okay, so at the bottom of my Phase 4 TV shows were The Falcon, The Winter Soldier, and She-Hulk, I think. Yeah. And I think I still liked those better than Black Widow and Eternals. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I agree with those sentiments. I mean, it's hard because there's more to criticize in like six episodes of right. the show. But like at least the Falcon Winter Soldier had that uh, Sam Wilson storyline with Carl Lumley's character. You mm-hmm. know, like that I think was so interesting. It had some really high highs uh, on that show. Yeah. Um, it just also had some like a really, really bad ending. It did. Really it did. Well, they had to change so much. But I mean, like that show gave yeah. us, you know, John Walker, like uh, concaving a dude skull in the street yeah. was like a pretty intense moment. And like, yeah, all the Carl Lumley stuff. It's like, give me more of that show. Like, show me a flashback of Bucky fighting him. Like, come on, do me that. Do me that favor. And then with like She-Hulk, it felt like the way they arranged the episodes felt a little weird. And I almost wanted more lawyer show. I, I don't know. Yeah. It was like, I wish they had just gotten Daredevil out of the way earlier instead of waiting so long because we knew about it. And it was just like, it kind of it right. ruined the momentum for the rest of the show, I thought. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I hear your points on the movies too. And like, yeah, I love Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. But does that movie exist without all the other ones? I don't know. Like if you just walk in and watch, is that a good movie on its own? I don't know. Right. Uh, yeah. Kind of the same way I feel about like Avatar. Is it a good movie on its own? I don't know. But like you go in and watch it and it's incredible. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think No Way Home is still a good movie on its own because I, a lot of people aren't really don't really dig the college stuff or mm-hmm. like the college entry stuff. I do. I like all that stuff in No Way Home. I think it, it was really, really well done and not shown yet in the MCU. People are like, oh, that's so typical. I've seen that before. I'm like, not in the MCU. We've never seen a coming of age story of like a kid trying to get to college and then like he feels bad for like right. ruining his two friends' lives. So he goes to a, a wizard to <laughs> gaslight everyone in society. Like, to just ignore friends. that. <laughs> ignore that that's Peter Parker or Spider-Man. Yeah. Imagine there's just a story about a kid who goes to like uh, his local wizard <laughs> to uh, erase the memories of society sure. because of some crime he got implicated in, some like war crime, and he ruined his friends' lives. Like that. that's still a movie I would go watch. Yeah. I mean, it's like the liar, liar or something like that, where it's like one person has this huge effect on the world because of something that's just happening to them and they don't know how to explain. 
<laughs> yeah. They're just trying to do the right thing. Yeah. I think it was also people were like, oh, well, they just brought back people. I'm like, but it wasn't random the way that they, they were able to get this interesting, like pseudo refugee yeah. plot of forgiving these multiverse men for the crimes they committed in their home worlds. Yeah. And like Aunt May being like, no, they need, they deserve a second chance. And then seeing that play out, like Peter having his own second chance that he right. gives himself by like allowing himself to give someone else a second chance. Like I thought they, it was hard to like fix all these things and to make Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's eras feel great and worthy. It felt made them feel less random, like random mistakes and more like, no, it was an inevitable step in their stories that led to this. Well, yeah. And it, it does like put a nice story through line in what are, what did exist as like capitalist decisions to make profit for a company. Right. Instead it was like, no, we can make this feel good narratively and like really pay off for the fans. Which was great and like something really awesome. Yeah. And I thought I, I did appreciate that in phase four uh of the MCU, there was just a lot of attempts at new things. They tried some different stuff. Yeah. Like I was really impressed with like Shang-Chi. Like that was so different than like a lot of the other movies. Uh, you know, by mm-hmm. the third act. Yeah, it's like the big third act battle, blah, blah, blah. But like having those martial arts sequences were so different and like it felt great. I, I was really impressed by like that movie, like trying something new. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, in general, there was a lot of experimentation in this phase. I just think, at the end of the day, Loki and WandaVision, I, I yeah. really enjoyed more than than all the movies. Yeah, they were really good. They were so good. Now, yeah, there's been a lot of, like, mid-MCU uh, Marvel Disney Plus shows. They just had a lot of mid-episodes that kind of sync all those shows. Yeah. So I think a lot of people associate... But for people who look at the goodness in things, I think they look at the, the goodness from the Disney Plus shows outshines i mean we also got to consider the the specials i think werewolf by night was incredible just not, and i also I mean, really so like the guardians good. holiday special yeah i know zach didn't like the guardians holiday <laughs> special but i liked it it was different it was good but yeah i mean werewolf by night was simply uh just so good and so many people immediately were like do more of this give me just like a yeah. little one hour thing like that's what i want like that that was fun and just really it knew what it, its mission was and it accomplished its mission and it wasn't tied to like, this needs to tie into all this other stuff. It was like, no, here's a good little story we can give you and you can watch it whenever you yeah. want. It was great. I think a lot of people felt that MCU phase four was a bit oversaturated. I disagree with that premise. I'm like, you know, as long as you uh, have like give these showrunners and directors the resources mm-hmm. they need to tell the story they want to tell. Yeah. But I wonder, do you think that the MCU would be better in phase five? I know they're not going to do this because they've already announced release dates for all these things. Mm -hmm. But just hypothetically, do you think the MCU would be better if every year we only got two movies, two series, and then two holiday specials? That two, two, two approach. Do you think that would be enough for to sustain everyone? It wouldn't be enough to sustain. And I think they would feel pressured to focus on the bigger characters. You know, I think. Okay, then three. Three, three, and three. Three movies, three <laughs> series, three specials. I think the specials are just like an underutilized asset by the studio. Yeah. You can tell so much story and introduce characters so much better in a mm-hmm. special than you can in a six-episode series sometimes. And I hope they see that, and I hope they lean that way. I mean, like, financially, I'm sure they'll see, like, well, that'll cost us way less money, you know, if we can do that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping they do that. Yeah, because I, I, what I really hope, too, is that they let you know, some of these creators have the control to make more stylistic things uh, and less like it needs to fit into the cookie cutter mold. I I would love to see that more. You know, in Star Wars, we saw with like Andor, right? Like this was a true like vision 
that is like written overseen by from the writing and the design and the direction like love all that like uh and i think they really accomplished that with like loki and wandavision and some of the other shows felt like eh, it was like a mishmash right so let these creators have yeah. more reign over the show and like really really execute the visions they have and i think that will help yeah, I think when you do a series, there's like a pressure to have a B plot and a C plot. Mm-hmm. And as I rewatch WandaVision, I think the one part of it that doesn't really hold up is everything that happens outside of Westview. All yeah. the stuff in the sword camp. It, nothing against, I think Jimmy Woo, Darcy, Monica Rambeau, they're all perfectly fun to watch. It's just like Hayward's not that compelling of a villain. And like, there's just a lot of scenes that feel like this is just like a not that great episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's yeah. just like <laughs> characters wearing jackets in like a gray and blue toned lab, military lab site. And they're kind of like, we're being detained right now. Here, uh, beat them, punch them and flip them over. (laughs) And now we're gonna wear their uh, uniforms and sneak around. It's just like, uh, and no thanks, not interested. (laughs) Um, So what I like about specials is like, you don't need to do any of that. You just tell one character story for 60 minutes and then we're done. I, I would love to see more of that. In 2023. Let's do it. We can do it, MCU. I think so. I think I don't need more than three MCU movies in a year. Um, I mean, look, we at New Rockstars certainly love it because we have more content to make. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll but I'm just no saying, like, as a fan, as a fan, I think you can totally sustain fans' attention with just like uh quality over quantity. And as long as you have like a couple big releases a year, like fans will stay with you. Yeah. Like we're not talking about going year. Like we I think there was uh, two years between uh, the summer of 2008, where we had uh, Iron Man and Hulk, there was nothing in 2009. Mm-hmm. And then in 2010, we had Iron Man 2. So there you go. We can do it. We can do it. All right. Well, what a year it's been at New Rockstars. Uh, a beautiful to talk year. about all this stuff. A beautiful year. We're going to have, uh, if it's not already on the channel, I don't know what day it is today. Uh, I think this weekend, we're going to have our annual What We Got Wrong episode. Mm. Uh, it's and we did something real different with this one. Yeah. We got all the new Rockstars hosts involved because all of our hosts has been making some bullshit series <laughs> this year, and it's fun. We, we had, had a lot we of fun a great with it. Time. We had a great time filming that video. I can't wait to see it out on the yeah. channel. Yeah, I can't wait for all of you to see it as well. Um, so be sure to keep an eye out for that. I believe, I believe it's going to come out um, December thirty first, the final day of the year, New Year's Eve, uh, and then yeah, January second. Mark your calendars. Big, big announcements. Big announcements. Big announcements. Uh, but we'll leave it there for this episode of Inside Marvel. Um, you can follow me at EA Voss, follow Brandon at Grin and Barrick, and you can subscribe to Inside Marvel wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us this year in 2022, and we'll see you in 2023. Bye, everybody. See you next year. Bye-bye.